During the 1890s, superstition and the existence of ghosts was widely accepted as a natural fact in the Appalachian Mountains. After all, it was during this time that the Ouija board first began selling all across America, and nearly everyone was under the alluring spell of spiritualism. Now, whether or not you believe in ghosts, it's a fact that in 1897, a ghost entered the official law books in West Virginia. That's right, and it's the only known case in history where the testimony of a ghost led to the conviction of a murderer. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, heck, there ain't no way that's a bunch of hogwash. Well, my friend, prepare yourself for the remarkable true story of the Greenbrier Ghost. Our story begins in the fall of 1896 in Greenbrier County, West Virginia. All of the ladies in this small community were abuzz with curiosity due to a tall young man who had just rolled into town. Local gossip was that Edward Shue had come to Greenbrier to work at a local blacksmith shop. Now, Edward was a towering, handsome man with ocean blue, deep-set eyes and a chiseled jaw with thick, lush brown hair and broad shoulders. He was extremely strong, muscular, and flashed a quick smile that made him a natural ladies' man. It wasn't long before he caught the attention of a beautiful 20-year-old woman named Zona Hester. She was free-spirited and untamed with a willowy face, long, silk-like hair, and molasses brown eyes. Both Edward and Zona were instantly attracted to each other and a whirlwind courtship soon followed. Now, many folks warned Zona not to move too fast with Edward. Besides, just where did this fella come from, and who knew what his mysterious and unknown past might be hiding? Yet, Zona had a rebellious spirit. Heck, she already had a child out of wedlock two years earlier when she was 18. So, despite concerns from her mother and others, Zona and Edward were married in November of 1896, within just a couple months of meeting each other at the old Methodist church at Livesay's Mill. The young couple seemed to be living a happy life together. They settled into a small two-story home just on the other side of Sewell Mountain from Zona's childhood home, 14 miles away, where her mother still lived. Edward spent his days working hard, forging horseshoes in front of the open fire at the local blacksmith shop. Zona spent her days tending to household chores and cooking meals for her husband. The Christmas of 1896 came and went, and by all appearances, they were happy, and they had a long future in front of them. However, not all things are always as they seem from the outside, and there were long, cold winter months that laid ahead. It's only so long that a man can keep a secret past hidden in these mountains. Just who had Zona married, and what was he really hiding behind those dark eyes? By January 1897, Zona and Edward Shue had been married for just over three months when Zona suddenly took sick. For several weeks, 
She was under the care of Dr. J.M. Knapp, who visited her house regularly to check on her. Edward appeared to be very attentive to his young bride's needs. He even hired an 11-year-old boy named Andy Jones to drop by the house each day and help out with the housework and tend to their animals. On the morning of January 22nd, Edward stopped at Andy's cabin on the way to his blacksmith shop, and he asked the boy if he would go and attend some chores for Zona. However, Andy had already committed to go to work for a local doctor that day. Edward seemed a little irritated by this. As the morning went on, there were four separate times that Edward went back to Andy's house and kept asking him to go check on Zona before the young boy finally agreed. Now, what I'm about to tell you is word for word what Andy said happened when he got to Zona's house the same way he told this story 70 years later in his life. When I got to the house, I felt that something was wrong. All the doors were closed, and there was an air about the place that I just didn't like. When I got to the steps, I looked down and I saw a trail of blood, and that scared me. But I got the courage up and I went to the door and I knocked. No one answered. There was nothing but silence. I tried the doorknob and it was unlocked. So I slowly opened the door and I walked into the kitchen. The trail of blood continued across the kitchen floor, all the way to the dining room door, which was also closed. Once again, I knocked on the door. Miss Hugh, are you in there? But nobody answered. So I opened the door and I walked in. And as soon as I did, I stumbled over something. When I hit the ground, I realized I was on top of Miss Hugh's body. There she was, stretched out on the floor, looking right up at me through wide open eyes. Her face was frozen in time and she appeared to be laughing. <laughs> I was scared to death, but I was still able to reach down and shake her. And when I touched her, she was cold and stiff. I bolted out of that house running as fast as I could. I called across the field to Aunt Martha. Miss Sue is dead. Miss Sue is dead. Aunt Martha started running to the house to check on Miss Sue while I ran to the blacksmith shop to tell Mr. Sue. When I told him what I found, he yelled, and with his boss, they both started for the house while I ran on to get Dr. Knapp. By the time the doctor and I arrived back to the house, Mr. Sue had taken his wife from the floor, placed her on a bed, and he was holding her head in his arms, crying for her to come back. But the strangest thing of all, although nobody thought about it at the time, was that he had already dressed Miss Sue in a long gown for her funeral placing one of those old-fashioned, high, stiff collars around her neck and holding it in place with some kind of scarf. Dr. Knapp immediately started investigating to determine if Miss Sue was still alive, and throughout his efforts to revive the woman, Mr. Sue continued to hold her head, refusing to let the doctor examine it. Oh, but the doctor felt awful for Edward, and he could see that this man had just lost his entire life as he held Zona in his arms. Finally, the doctor turned and said, It's everlasting faint. Her heart has failed. I've been on this gospel way For many, many days But I know it won't be long Till I am gone 
The very next morning, Zona's body, accompanied by her husband and several neighbors, was taken back over the mountain to her mother's home. And within 24 hours, she was buried in the little family graveyard high up on the side of the mountain. Indeed, Edward was devastated by the loss of Zona. The entire time leading up to the funeral, he never once left his dead wife's side in the presence of others. Before they put Zona's body in a coffin, he wouldn't let anyone else go near her, not even her mother. He stood the entire time near Zona's head, crying and sobbing and moaning and wailing. To make Zona more comfortable, he said, he folded a sheet on both sides of her head. Now, folks began talking about Edward's grief. Many folks admired the love and the tender care that he showed his wife after her death. Others weren't so convinced. After all, it was the custom during those days for women to care for the body of a deceased wife, to wash it and dress it for the funeral. Why had Edward done these things himself? Was this everlasting love or something more sinister? Zona's death hit her mother hard. They were literally best friends. Her daughter had only been married for just a few months, and now she was dead. Heck, her mother had never even had a chance to visit Edward and Zona's home. Everything was so sudden, and there were no answers. However, this wasn't the end of the story, and what happens next is still talked about 130 years later. In the weeks after Zona's funeral, her mother, Mary Hester, couldn't seem to get over the death of her daughter. She leaned heavily on her faith in the Lord, and she prayed daily to Him to reveal the cause of Zona's death. About a month later, Mary was kneeling next to her bed, praying for answers, when she felt a strange presence enter the room. Now, she wasn't sleeping or dreaming. She was wide awake. She looked up, and she saw an aura in the doorway that began to take the shape of a human. Mary's heart was racing and chills ran down her spine as the spirit transformed into Zona right before her eyes. Mary was speechless and she reached out to fill Zona's coffin, but she wasn't in a coffin anymore. Zona reached her hand towards her mother and she opened her mouth to say something, but then she suddenly vanished. The very next day, Mary remained in constant, non-stop prayer when suddenly Zona appeared before her again. This time, she told her mother, all about the home that her and Edward lived in. She disclosed small details about the cellar, the closets, the attic. All sorts of details that only someone who lived there would know. Now Mary, she had never even visited the home. Yet now, she knew every detail about the home Zona was living in. Zona told her mother to rest, and she would return the next day. Sure enough, on the third day, Zona appeared again to her mother. However, she didn't want to discuss the home anymore. This time she talked about her husband, Edward. She told her mother that he was a very violent man and he had abused her many times. She warned her mother that Edward had been married twice before and he had beat both of his previous wives. 
His second wife had mysteriously died, just like Zona. Mary begged Zona to tell her what happened to her. Not yet, mother, she said. I will return tomorrow. I have something to show you. On the fourth day, Zona appeared to Mary for a final time. Zona began sharing exactly what happened the day she died. Mama, I spent all morning cleaning the house and cooking all afternoon for Edward, but this time when he came home, he was angry again, like many nights before. He began yelling at me that I hadn't cooked any meat for supper. I told him that I cooked everything we had and there was plenty. We had bread and butter, applesauce, preserves, and other things that make up a fine, good supper. After I was finished speaking, he flew into a rage and he got up and he came towards me. When I raised up, he seized each side of my head with his hands, and with a sudden wrench, he broke my neck and dragged my body to the foot of the stairs and left me there. Now, Mama, I have something to show you, Zona said. And with that, Zona spun her entire head around 180 degrees, like a scene out of The Exorcist, to prove that her neck was broken. She disappeared and never returned again. Mary now knew that Edward had murdered Zona, just like he had murdered his first wife and she couldn't let him get away with it. She spent the next several days telling anyone who would listen to her what Zona had told her. At first, most folks just thought she was a grieving mother and just acting out in sorrow. However, some folks believed her enough to arrange a meeting between Mary and the Greenbrier County Prosecuting Office. Mary spent the entire day telling the prosecutor what Zona had told her, and they summoned the doctor who had examined Zona and determined her cause of death. The doctor admitted that he hadn't really fully examined Zona because he felt sorry for her grieving husband as he held her body. Armed with this new circumstantial evidence, the prosecutor summoned Edward and the doctor and they decided to do something unthinkable. That's right. They headed to the graveyard to dig up Zona's body. But what would they find? The next morning, the three men walked into the foggy graveyard, armed with shovels, and began digging until they reached Zona's coffin. They loaded her casket on the back of a wagon, and they took it to a nearby one-room schoolhouse, where they opened the coffin up, and they began the gruesome task of examining the body. The prosecutor forced Edward to stay in the room with Zona's body, as the doctor examined it for the next three days. For the most part, Edward sat in a corner, whittling on sticks with his pocket knife as the doctor performed the examination. However, once the doctors began removing the collar from Zona's neck, Edward became noticeably anxious. There was bruising on her neck, consistent with fingers being wrapped around her neck. Her windpipe was crushed, and it was obvious that the first and second vertebrae in her neck were broken in the exact place that Zona's ghost said it was. Edward was immediately placed under arrest and charged with the murder of Zona.
Ha, 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 ha.